Hola amigos, bienvenidos a otro episodio de Chance by Chance. This is a resource for young creators as we learn to navigate the professional field. Este es un recurso para creadores jóvenes mientras aprendemos a navegar la estera profesional. I am coming to you at the time of this recording from Panama City, although by the time you hear it, I'll be well on my way to Georgetown, Guyana, and the surrounding countries of South America. I figured in this free time, I'd fire off a podcast for all of you, and here it is. It is one of my absolute favorites so far, because it features someone that I have looked up to as a role model for quite some time, Caleb Hins. He is the leader of Normal Parents. He is the force behind Normal Parents. It is a national and international movement at this point, restoring power to the people. Because we have the power. He's also a part of the Happy Children, a band that's been shaking up the Twin City scene. I'll include all relevant links to Caleb's work in the show notes. You can receive 20% off your next purchase at normalparents.com by entering offer code CHANCE at checkout. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Caleb Hins. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Here we are at Normal Parents headquarters. Yeah. You said before we started recording, not a lot of people know what all goes into it. You know, in contrast to the band, it's kind of been a mystery, the the whole process. Do you want to just walk me through what you do down here? Well, down here I make all the shirts for normal parents and uh, other bands. I've done a couple other things. I've made like a couple paintings down here or something, but if you could see it, you'd probably understand why it's not the most stimulating environment. <laughs> it's like a basement, a lot of webs and rust. And there's like a room over there that's like got this big mason jar of some chemical that no one knows what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I, I make all the shirts down here. So that's like basically the gist of what happens. But there's just all these boxes of inventory. And I think a lot of people think that someone else makes them or there's sort of like a team of people who are doing stuff. And it's actually just all me. <laughs> it's you. Yeah, so you order blank shirts. You've got your screens over here. So you... Yeah make the designs on these and you've got your i don't know what you would call this that's a printing press yeah the printing press well the the designs you make you can make a design anywhere really but you have to put it onto this transparent piece of paper it's like a piece of plastic because there's a whole exposure process to make a screen you have to use like one of these uh, UV lights, and you have to coat a screen with emulsion and stuff, and wait for it to dry. It's like a really touchy, touchy thing. Kind of a pain in the ass, actually. I don't really enjoy making the screens at all, but, but it's a necessary thing. Yeah, that's an do. important step. And you love making the shirts. People love the shirts. People have connected to them, and it's different than I expected it to be. What do you mean? Well, when I I first made the first normal parent shirt, I was just like. I thought it'd be really funny if there was someone walking in the street that had a, normal, a shirt that said normal parents on it. Yeah. I thought that'd be like a really funny thing. So <laughs> I, I made the one, I uh, because I used to do them with spray paint and just a piece of paper with those words cut out. Yeah. So I made that and I posted it on Facebook and I said, I'll make anybody this shirt for free. And then a lot of people, well, too many people said that they wanted one to where I would, I would have had to like spend a bunch of money. Hmm. Because I made a decent amount of them for free, but then it was like, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm about to spend like $200 or something yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't do that. I don't, you know, I don't even know how to make multiple shirts with a piece of paper and a 
spray paint can. And yeah, and then and then things like the They Have No Power shirt, then the They Have No Power sticker, and then there's people, it's international now, there's people in other countries wearing that shirt and sticking the stickers up and posting them on, online, so it's like, it's a lot bigger than I, than I thought it was. Yeah, well you have a really cool promotional model too, like on your website, you have this whole gallery of different people wearing the shirt, that's yeah. like the best promotion that you could ask for. Well, we've never done a photo shoot or anything. Yeah. People have supplied all of the promotional material themselves. Do you have any ideas why people have latched on to the themes in this work? I think it allows people to have a sense of pride of something. It, it's like accepting their own something in like a humorous <laughs> way, but also it's like it's serious too. No one has normal parents, but I think a lot of people feel insecure about that. Hmm. And wearing a shirt... Or promoting that message, I think, makes people feel stoked on the fact that they have a weird life or that they have, like, a weird upbringing or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, sort of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, it's very dry. Happy children. Yeah. (laughs) No one has got it perfect. No. How did they have no power come in? What does that mean to you personally? Well, the message itself just means I have power. The message just means we have power. Because I think people put the responsibility of having power completely elsewhere. Like, there's a certain group of people in the world. Those are the people who are changing things. Hmm. You know, I have my life. But there's the certain people in power who are the ones who are actually doing something. Yeah. And so I think that the message is actually just like, no, people are just people. And we're all able to do the same shit. Yeah. That's actually been one of the most surprising and valuable things that I've learned through the podcast so far is... You know, some of the new people that I've met through this, when I'm looking up their bios online and doing some research on who they are, it seems so distant from me. And, mm-hmm. and of course, they have decades of experience on me. But the things that people do, it just blows my mind. And yet those are people who were once 20 years old like me yeah. and wondering what they were going to do. Yeah. People really like to focus on everyone's differences because it's easier We've evolved to notice differences in yeah. order for our survival, but our survival is now reliant not on our differences, but on our similarities. So we're like relearning how to see how we're all the same. Do you have any ideas of what that would look like? Just a world where people rely on similarities more so than differences? I mean, we should always also understand what our differences are and be able to analyze those. I think really the difference would just be that people don't identify with just their singular unit. They sort of identify as their community. Your survival responses aren't only about your your body, even though that comes first. We can probably get past that. I mean, we kind of have to. We kind of have to. Can you think of experiences or teachers, anything in your life that's really promoted that way of thinking for you? I had a music teacher when I was in college in Olympia. She played the oboe. And she was huge on that idea that, like, music is, like, the language that communicates to all. If you were watching something, like, she would show people an example of Bon Jovi. And people would be like, ah, Bon Jovi, like, come on, (laughs) man. Show me some punk rock thing or something. But she was like, no, like, what is good about this? And how can I take that to what I'm doing? And how, how you can see, like... What in this is similar to what I'm trying to do, and how can I use that? I guess she just always emphasized the fact that you can communicate with everyone with music, 
and that's a beautiful thing really yeah definitely but to not single people out in terms of your of your message in there you mentioned taking what you can from something and applying it to your own work Mm -hmm. are there influences that you have today for normal parents well skateboarding is like an ongoing forever influence in particular like the skateboarder mark gonzalez he sort of like invented street skateboarding right now I would say non-musically, but this is so very musical. I'm, I'm like, super inspired by Ariana Grande. Really? But not her, more of just so that thing that is the Ariana Grande that makes me feel something, but it's, like, it's not a band, you know? Ariana Grande, it, it is an icon. It's, like, producing Yeah, you're icon. talking about the persona yeah. versus the person. I don't even know what I'm taking from that, really, but I just, like, <laughs> listen to Ariana Grande all the time. <laughs> It must be coming through somewhere. Do you have a favorite song? Uh, I, I have a lot of favorite songs. I really right like now. the song Into You, and I like the mm. song uh, Every Day with mm. Future. He gave it to me every day, every day, every day. <laughs> but there is something about mass-produced pop music in general. It's geared towards everyone. Mm. Like the song Dangerous Woman, all the girls feel dangerous, and then all the dudes feel like badass. <laughs> There's something for everyone in there, but... It's also, like, McDonald's. McDonald's. But, you know, you like McDonald's. I eat Big Macs every so often because it tastes good. <laughs> but it's it's not a restaurant. <laughs> oh, man. Ariana Grande and McDonald's. The lessons that we learn. Yeah. That's awesome. What are you looking to do in, say, the next year or two? If everything could go wonderfully for you, what does normal parents look like down the road? In the near future, I'd, I'm sort of trying to, like, wean myself from my day jobs. Because hmm. I spend a lot of time doing that. And honestly, I, I have a job at a place called Veli Deli, downtown Minneapolis. It's a lunch place. That's a huge inspiration for me. I work with amazing people. The people who run it are, like, some of the most inspiring people I've ever met. They're amazing at running their business. They treat their employees amazing. They've got a family. Like, it's crazy. But I spend a lot of time doing these jobs, and then I can really only keep up with, like, weekly orders that I get from normal parents. Yeah. So it's harder for me to focus on growing it right now, even though there's a new shirt coming out in the next week or two. Hey, okay. That'll happen. So that's a, a near goal i think in the future i'd like to have a partner and a couple more people working i'd like to stop printing shirts at a certain point but still do it under my um, you would not be the one yeah pressing the squeegee across the screen at a certain point and i think having normal parents and they have no power as recognized movements nationally or internationally if it keeps growing internationally that that's sort of the goal to start a movement amazing what advice would you give to your 18 or 20 year old self (laughs) what would you say there's a lot of things i would say to my 18 year old self don't try to be famous don't try to be famous Uh, that's solid don't smoke too much weed also good and just work really hard the hustle i think that's it i think you just gotta work really hard and trust your ideas what advice would your future self give you right now (laughs) Slow down, work less. <laughs> Enjoy it now. Savor the moment. Yeah. I think that's just how it goes. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to work hard when you're young. We're able to work hard. 
working hard in the ways that you want to. When you're young, it's so low risk. This is what everyone tells me. You have to take advantage of that. You know, you have yeah. like the least obligations that you will in your whole life when you're young. So you really have to take advantage of that. And still have fun, obviously, and like have a good time. But like someone said to me the other day, they're like, man, the clock's not ticking until you're 25. And I was like, I mean, look at that clock over there. It looks like it's ticking to me. You know, the clock's always ticking. You shouldn't be like staying up all night every night doing Adderall, like working until you're pale and you're... I think the only way you can make the things that you want happen is if you work really fucking hard. Yeah. And it's good when you enjoy it. Yeah, it's got to be fulfilling. It's got to be fulfilling now and later. Who else in the community impresses you these days, in music or otherwise? Um... Well, my, my brother, Josh, yes. he, he impresses me because he's 15 years old and he's booking shows at venues that people our age and older are still talking to, and he's in the band called Why Not. Yeah, we talked recently. And They've got a passion, man. Yeah. Three young guys, they have some incredible passion. The coolest thing is that they're in the scene. When I was 15, I was making music and I was like doing things, but I wasn't like in the scene. Hmm. No one knew who I was or what I was doing except for my close group of friends but like other bands know who he is like you know who he is Mm -hmm. like that's crazy so I think that's impressive to me I think another individual Patrick from Good Luck Finding Iris oh yeah he's a hard worker he said something during the interview we did that really blew my mind again to hear coming from such a young person he was talking about the next step and he couldn't quite emphasize what it was because I think it's different for everyone and it's mm-hmm. it's always changing what that next step is and that's kind of the point but he, he was saying you get to a certain place and if you want to keep pushing yourself if you want to keep that hustle alive it's about taking that next step and it's not always the most comfortable thing especially because you can't always clearly tell what it is but I thought that that was very astute mm-hmm. and I can definitely apply that to my own life you know with the things I'm doing, there's a very specific set of next steps that I'm going to need to take. And it's just a matter of building up that courage to know I can do it, to know that I have the power. Because it's also always a risk. It's a risk to do something new that's uncomfortable. And you can also fail. It can all get taken away from you at any moment. So how much, how much are you going to put on trying to do something that's not for sure? Do you have any favorite failures an opportunity that's gone awry but led to something better? Going to college. I went, you know, straight after high school, mostly just because I wanted to do something. I didn't, I was like, oh, I'll study music. But, I, and I went to Evergreen and Washington. And then while I was there, you know, I saw my good friends from home blow up and get all the success doing the thing that we were all doing and we all left. Seeing that from afar was way different than even if I was here watching it happen because I would have been able to like interact with them throughout the whole thing and be like, oh, like, because it was like my own friends became celebrities to me. Hmm. They were like almost dehumanized until I saw them again because I was seeing them through the screen, like blow to this thing. So, I mean, that made me feel sort of failed in a way because I wasn't really doing anything. You know, I was telling myself I wanted to quit music because it was making me sad. Then luckily I made this shirt and that that gave me another reason to work on things. Because then I all of a sudden had to because people would put in orders. To backtrack, why was music making you sad? I've never really been in bands. I was in a band 
I was in like a couple bands, but I, they were never serious or anything. Like it was like very, very casual. So I was always doing music by myself. Yeah. You're um, electronic and you're acoustic. Yeah. yeah. And I was doing it really hard. Like I was working all the time. I made like nine albums in three years or something. But I was always doing it by myself. And when I left Minnesota, I had to like restart like a fan base basically. Mm-hmm. But I was putting so much into this music and then you'd play and I never felt like it was doing what I had wanted it to do or it was never making the connection that it was like eight shows out of ten would just feel like I threw a ball into an open field. Hmm. But it was like my, it was like the ball that my grandpa gave me on his dying bed or something. I'm just like <laughs> throwing it into the field hoping oh. that someone's going to grab it and there was no one there. Oh. But two of those shows out of ten, they would grab it and they would give it to their kid. The connections were made. But if you're only if you're only getting fulfilled twenty percent of the time, then the rest of that time you just feel like you're scraping at a wall that doesn't chip. I wanted to take a break. But anytime I told myself I was gonna take a break, you know the next day I made a song. It's like <laughs> Can't escape it. Yeah. Yeah. How have you increase that 20%. You're obviously fulfilled through music and you've got your band now. When did that start to turn around? What did you do? Well, the mindset that you have in making something affects the product a lot. And there's a lot of different mindsets you can have in making music. But I think having the band has helped so much. And just being able to write music with Mitchell and it's not just me making something and like thinking something of it. We do it together. And then We'll play shows, and sometimes, like, we had a really bad show once. It felt bad, but it didn't feel quite the same, like, soul crack, <laughs> you know, where I just felt, like, defeated. This was more just like, oh, next time we'll do it differently. Yeah, because you have, well, you have that support then. You've got your band. Yeah, it's like, we feel together, and you're like, yeah. We can do better together. Mm-hmm. Based on everything that we've talked about today and everything that you're doing in your own life, do you have any asks for the audience? Like, anything you might ask of people to see a better and brighter world come about trust your ideas just trust your ideas and and make them happen really everybody has an idea everybody has 10 ideas but it's rare to trust it enough to make it into something real and finally where can people find you uh, like my body or my work? <laughs> However you want to take that. Probably your work. <laughs> Probably your work. But hey, maybe your body in person somewhere. You got any shows coming up? Let's hear all of it. We're opening up for Remo Drive at their album release show, The Triple Rock, on the 6th of April. You can find me at normalparents.com. And The Happy Children, you just type in The Happy Children and Google that shit will pop up. Oh, it does. <laughs> it does. Let me tell you. Well, yeah. Caleb, thanks for the time, man. Yeah, of course. You're Great work. It's awesome to see you trusting your ideas, and it's inspiring for me to trust my own. So thanks for that. Thanks, man. All right. That's a wrap. Episode 23. Like Caleb said, trust your ideas. I've been seeing a lot of powerful work lately, and I'm hoping to see a lot more. You have the power. We have the power. So let's make it happen. Let's create a new reality. Remember, you can receive 20% off your next purchase at normalparents.com by entering offer code CHANCE at checkout. C-H-A-N-C-E. If you enjoyed this podcast, visit chancebychance.com. There, you can sign up for the newsletter, access all episodes, and support the podcast through Patreon. Until next time, 
Thank you for listening. Hasta la próxima. Gracias por escuchar.